never say die. Going on 14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 196 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I am Joel. And I am Josh. And I thought I had an invisible dragon friend when I was a friend, but it turned out my record player was just broken and playing at 124th speed. <laughs> You're singing Winchester Cathedral. You gotta do it real slow. <laughs> <laughs> then you, then you got to get the uh, clicking in there too. <laughs> you just make banana sounds. <laughs> All right, so this week we are watching uh, Pete's Dragon, the 1977 classic. I was one. I was five. Me too. What? No, you were two. That's the proper way to say it. <laughs> I was, wait, you said, wait, what time or day? What, what time of day? <laughs> 77. Oh, I was. What, what time of day did this come out? I was three. Joel four, can't calendar. <laughs> I was three. Uh, yes. So we watched that. And we watched the 2016. Yeah. yeah I was 41. Yes. Very good, Joel. Is this how the rest of the show is going to go? What time of day did that one come out? <laughs> it came out 12 noon on Saturdays. Oh. The same time that we're on Geek Life Radio. Not live, but recording. If you like things that are not live, but recorded, you'll probably like the shows at the Podcast Collective, including No Hope for Humanity, Dating Baggage, Mint in Boxcast, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. Yes. and if you're looking Holy for crap, that went well. <laughs> Damn it, now we're cursed. See what happens when I mess up. You pointed out how many how many uh, green lights we got through, and now we're going to get a red. Um, so if you're looking for our older stuff, that's uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com. That's kind of yes. upsetting. Yeah. And coming up soon, now this is a cool thing that we've got going for you guys. There is a site out there called Podchaser, Podchaser.com, and it is going to become IMDB for podcasts. It's going beta on Saturday, which is actually yesterday if you're listening to this when this comes out. So, um, But we do have beta access keys for you guys. We have about 100 of them. So if you go to Podchaser and uh, log on and use 40go14. Now, not the numbers. Spell out the whole word. F-O-R-T-E-N. Just like that. And you will get beta access. And what you can do is you can go in there and rate and review our shows. Right. And uh, if you like our show, which presumably you do if you're listening, uh, it will suggest shows that are similar to ours. And every time you rate one of your favorite episodes, it bumps us up in our category for other people who listen to shows similar to ours to help them find us. Yeah. And if you're listening to us because you hate us, it'll probably post other shows where you hate the hosts also. It's a vicious spiral. <laughs> this is still going so well. Nothing could possibly go wrong. <laughs> so if you'd do like it. to do that. Do it now. Get to the podcaster. Yes. Uh, and then 40go14, spell out everything, and you get beta access. Got about 100 keys or whenever they decide to turn it off. That's what I was told. Um, but yeah, get in there and rate us. And you rate us and uh, say that you like us. You'll find out about other cool podcasts that are similar to us. Like, and then in return, send us a picture of you and we'll rate you. 
Yes. Nice. <laughs> I'll give you a key. It's yeah, I mean, the, the main circle thing is, of life. <laughs> when you go to IMDb to get details <clears throat> about various shows that have categories and tagging, these guys realize that we have IMDb to do that for movies, but no one has even thought of doing that for podcasts. And there are a ridiculous amount of podcasts right now. So maybe people would like that ability to sort by content. Yes. So uh, I can, I'm, I'm excited about this site. I am it's, it's not just the iTunes like and rate and review portion of iTunes. It's got a lot more uh, functionality to you as a listener, especially if you like more podcasts other than ours. I don't right. know why you would do that, but right. We're watching you, Francis. You'll have no other podcast <laughs> before us. All right. So if you want to call us, rate us, leave us a voicemail at 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727. You shall call and leave us voicemail. We don't have any, though. I don't think so. Yeah, no one's been doing oh. that. Oh. Well, Mr. Schollenberger has been saying that he's going to. Oh, I look forward to listening to our favorite balloon man. Yes, I want to hear the entire thing is all going to be done in balloon squeaks. He can do that. He can make that. <laughs> As he makes the balloon animals, he can actually make them speak words. It's kind yes. of like it's kind of like that guitar solo from. Yeah, he's like Peter Frampton. He's the Peter Frampton of the balloon guys. <laughs> yeah, and to clarify, he's our favorite balloon man, as in someone who works with balloons, not someone who is made from balloons. Yes. If he were, he'd be like third or fourth favorite. That's right. Because we all know Carl is made from balloons. <laughs> all right, it is so that time. Yeah, it's so about that time. Oh boy. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. That was a very traditional and sports from Joel. Yeah, yeah, going old school. So, classic sports. <laughs> so this week we are going November third, nineteen seventy-seven. It's the release of the original Pete's Dragon, and uh, music. Yes, music. The number one song in the land is You Light Up My Life by Debbie Boone. You bring me hope. You bring me pizza? I, well, I would. No. Will in August, I promise. Aww. All the way from Texas? No. What's Texas pizza? A taco. <laughs> <laughs> Texas anything is taco or barbecue. It's, <laughs> Ooh, barbecue taco. Mm. Mm-hmm. Those are good. Now I want pizza. Wait. <laughs> now I want a barbecue taco pizza. Oh, I kind of do. Yeah, that actually sounds, that sounds really, really good. good. <laughs> I'd try it. Uh, Jane Monheit was born November 3rd in Long Island, New York. She is an American jazz and pop vocalist who has collaborated with John Pizzarelli, Michael Bublé, and Tom Harrell, among others, and has received two Grammy nominations. <laughs> what do you have against Terrence Blanchard? <laughs> I was wondering that too. Was yeah. Beef with Terrence Blanchard. Terrence Blanchard killed my parakeet. <laughs> Did I mess that up? <laughs> you, you skipped him. You skipped the name. I, I thought you had something against him. <laughs> You're like, fuck that guy. I'm not talking about him. I didn't realize I missed it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is where it all goes south. I was that's the first thing that's ever gone wrong. I even we, read well, we that made I, it this far. <laughs> I even read it ahead of time to try and make sure I got it right. <laughs> I did. 
Apparently, I didn't do so good. Uh, all right. Gaetano Albert Guy Lombardo was a Canadian-American band leader and violinist of Italian descent who formed the Royal Canadians in 1924 with his brothers Carmen, Liebert, and Victor, and other musicians from his hometown. Lombardo led the group to international success, and they are believed to have sold between 100 to 300 million phonograph records during their lifetimes, many featuring the band's longtime leader singer, Kenny Gardner. Guy Lombardo died of a heart attack on November 5th and was absorbed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land is Julia, starring Jane Fonda, Vanessa Redgrave, and Jason Robards. Got a leak? No, he put it in the show notes. I decided to go with it. Yeah. I didn't do that. You know what? It, it might have been my cat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, your cat has contributed. Oh, yeah, that is your cursor there. Yep, that's, that was my cat. That's awesome. <laughs> so your cat made me hiss at the mention of Jason Robards. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Pete's Dragon is the only movie released this week. If you were going to the theater this week in 1977, the average price of a movie ticket would be $2.25. You can't even even get a candy for that anymore. That's how much it costs to just get in the door. Yeah, that's the cover charge before you pay for the ticket. Right. (laughs) Pre-ticket ticket sales. I mean, some places you have to pay for parking, though. Though, I do have to say the place over by me, opening night, $3.50. Nice. Yeah, unfortunately, it's one of the most ghetto places you can go. It's it's terrible. It really is. You got to really want to see a movie if you go to this place. Hmm. <laughs> Bullet holes in the screen and shit. It was. It reminded me of going to uh, North Riverside. Oof. Yeah. Wow. Also in 1977, Brittany Murphy was born on November 10th and went on to star in Clueless. Clueless. <laughs> Clueless. We're getting ready for next week. No kidding. Clueless, Girl Interrupted, 8 Mile, and the acronym of the week, which is the Australian Confused Culinary Film, K-O-T-H, or Kangaroos on the Half Shell. <laughs> Blimey, that's a big shell. Kangaroo power. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's king of the hill oh oh what voice did she do luann oh really yep yeah i did not know that huh. uh in addition to king of the hill or kangaroos on the half shell if you prefer among others uh she uh, after she did those she tragically died of accidental overdose from over-the-counter drugs while battling what she thought was a cold but turned out to really be pneumonia. Ooh. I'll never tell that she was absorbed. <laughs> the actual fuck is wrong I'm with mix- you. I'm mixing things up a little. All right. So TV. This day was Thursday. Thursdays in 1977, you could watch such classic shows as Welcome Back, Cotter, The Waltons, The Red Fox Comedy Hour, and The Man from Atlantis, among others. <laughs> Good job. I th- like that? <laughs> I thought I was going to anchor man you there. <laughs> yeah, now I'm paying paying attention there. Uh, welcome back. You know, I, I have this. I don't know. Is it a guilty pleasure for me to say that I really like watching Welcome Back, Cotter? Welcome Back, Cotter's funny. That's funny. Yeah, it actually holds up. It's but dated, but it's funny. I love that show. That's welcome back. 
And Gabe Kaplan must have been something because he was on all those roasts when we were watching the roast shows. Remember that? That was a huge show at the time, though. Welcome back, Cotter. Mm-hmm. It was so. like the Cheers of 1977. Yeah, and, and Gabe Kaplan has always been like a Hollywood uh, behind-the-scenes insider guy. Like he's always been involved in any kind of anything. For some reason, he's just no matter how popular he's been among you know the people in the Hollywood circles, he's always been around. Okay, always doing something in the background. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so November 16th, 1977, sees the end of the cancellation of the TV show Busting Loose, the comedy that answers what would happen if you put Alan Arkin in a Jewish coming-of-age sitcom where he lives next door to a hooker. I wish I was joking about that, but that is exactly what that show is about. It also has a woman playing, um, what's his name, from The Honeymooners. That guy. Banks. Yeah, there's oh. a there's a woman named Jackie Gleason in this one, which really kind of confused me when I was re- researching that question. Could have been could have been Jack A. Gleason. Nah, could have been Jack A. <laughs> um, but yeah, Alan Arkin, coming of age sitcom, living next door to a hooker. So good stuff all around. Lasted two seasons, and they decided after they canceled it, you know, we have four four episodes, and let's just not show them anymore. So not only did they not last, didn't even last two seasons because they had four shows that they never even showed up. So, now this I thought was really cool. 1977, this is going, we're going over to Great Britain. We're going over the, over the pond. The Southern Television Broadcast Interruption happened. Now, this was a broadcast interruption through the Hannington Transmitter of the Independent Broadcasting Authority in the United Kingdom at 5.10 p.m. on the 26th of November, 1977. Okay, doesn't sound too fun so yet. But the broadcast message is generally considered to be a hoax, but the identity of the, identity of the hijacker is unknown. A speaker interrupted transmissions for six minutes and claimed to be a representative of Intergalactic Association. Reports of the incident vary, with the speaker calling himself either Rillian, Gillian, or Asteron, depending on who you ask, and the voice, which was disguised and accompanied by a deep buzzing, broke into the broadcast of the local TV Southern st- television station, overrode the UHF audio signal of the early evening news being read by Andrew Gardner from ITN, and warned viewers that all your weapons of evil must be removed. You have but a short time to learn to live together in peace. The interruption ceased shortly after the statement had been delivered, and transmissions then returned to normal shortly before the end of a Looney Tunes cartoon. Uh, later in the evening, Southern, Tele- Southern Television apologized for what it was described as a breakthrough in sound for some viewers, and it also reported the incident in its own Sunday bulletin, and nobody knows who did it still. So, somebody broke into British TV and told that they, everyone that they had to r- remove all your weapons of evil because we only have a short time to learn to live together, which I'm sure caused a little bit of chaos over there. Well, it's a good thank- thing we obeyed that. And- I was going to say, thank yeah. God they listened. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and everything is saved. Now, what was the Astron command, Joel? <laughs> or what will they be, Joel? What? I said Astron command, Joel. Dude, I was setting you up to say absorbed. Never mind. <laughs> Why would that be funny? Good question. Sports. He says, trying to salvage this. Sports. That joke was ab- absorbed. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, sports. 
On November 2nd, the Philadelphia Phillies' Steve Carlton wins his second of four career Cy Young Awards. You guys know who Steve Carlton was? Yeah, he's a guy from Fresh Prince. Yeah, he did the dance. Not unusual. Close enough. The guy that was <laughs> he's not even going to fight it at this point. It's like, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> and on November 5th, Mark Wilson of Brigham Young University sets the then record for passing yards in a single game with 571. Yeah, he was in the Beach Boys. All right, that obviously wasn't as fun as uh, the Carlton thing, so I'm just going to ignore it. Now we'll just go back. Jump on it. Jump on it. <laughs> just fix that in post. Uh, no. <laughs> All right. That is the tweet. Joel, closing music. That's where we are, folks. Class all around. That's us. All right. So Pete's Dragon, 1977. Class in your ass. Yes, blasters. <laughs> okay. An orphan boy and his magical dragon come to a town with his abusive adoptive parents in pursuit. This adoptive is... or just slave owning? That's, you know, we're, we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> in, in rewatching this, I have some questions for Disney specifically. Yeah. Um, this is directed by Don Chafee, known for, besides Pete's Dragon, Jason and the Argonauts, One Million Years B.C., uh, some MacGyver, uh, Airwolf. Um, he did a lot of like classic old 80s TV, Mission Impossible 80s, Stingray, Hunter, you know. Um, Ooh, I liked Hunter. Yeah. Uh, it was written by Malcolm Mormstein, and the only reason I added that in is because I really like to say his name. I wonder if he liked to listen to Ingve Malmsteen. They got together and they cooked out every summer. It was Nobody a Malmsteen Malmsteen. <laughs> Nobody likes listening to Malmsteen. Aw. That's his a mom. good point. I bet his mom does. And then also. Even she's like, maybe you should retire, honey. <laughs> Get a vocalist for God's sake. <laughs> um, now you're going to like. You did it, it worked for him. <laughs> You're going to like this. No, Joe Satriani. Uh, Seton I. Miller did the story for this, who's known for such classics as 1942's The Black Swan, The Adventures of Robin Hood, starring Errol Flynn, and the original uh, Howard Hughes-produced uh, Scarface. Huh. Yeah, I know, right? So which, which, honestly, knowing that answers a few questions about this movie. So, uh, who else wrote this? S.S. Field is another one of the writers, and he's known for Pete's Dragon and On Such a Night. That's pretty much, he has three On things to it. On Such a Night. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> don't ever do that to us again. I feel abused. Just like Pete. Just like, Pete. Just like uh, oh, you beat me to it. Show us so, on the cartoon dragon where they touched you. <laughs> so this oh, stars. The... <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> this is starring Helen Reddy as Nora. Now, if you don't know who she is, you know the song "I Am Woman." Hear me roar. Exactly. That's her. That's what. That is her claim to fame. Uh, that that and she's got a good voice. They had her come in and do some singing. Uh, Jim Dale as Doctor Terminus. You may recognize him from uh, uh, Hot Lead and Cold Feet. And he was the did other things like the he was a narrator and pushing daisies 
And strangely enough, he's also the narrator for several of the uh, Harry Potter video games, which is kind of strange. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, also, Mickey Rooney as Lampy. Oh, I was waiting for a Jimmy Willikers from one of you guys. Uh, this is <laughs> Mickey Rooney at his most Mickey Rooney. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was... He, he, <laughs> this was this was 100% pure Mickey Rooney. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, how much Mickey Rooney do you want? We want all the Mickey Rooney. <laughs> like, bring your extra teeth. You're going to be chewing a lot of scenery. <laughs> uh, red Buttons as Hoagie. Shelly <laughs> Shelley Winters as Lena Gogan, which kind of blew my mind. Yeah, I didn't realize that was her either. Yeah, I mean, one, they made her look really ugly in this. And here's a crossover because she is actually plays Ruby in the original 1966 version of Alfie, which, huh. as all you know, stars... For Sexy Michael Caine. Sexy Michael Caine, baby. That is our patron saint. We need a t-shirt of, like, a saint picture of Sexy Michael Caine with 40 going 14 on it. Maybe we should do a show of Six Degrees of Michael Caine. Oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, Sean Marshall play, played Pete. Uh, he does not have an IMDb image on there because after 1980, he disappeared. Uh, I he saw. Had... Oh, go ahead. I looked him up because I was curious, you know, what he was doing these days. And all I could find was a picture of him with a giant beard, long hair, doing a podcast. That's you, Joel. Guess you were what? looking in the mirror again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's not your computer. That's the mirror. Stop that. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, he did, he literally did nothing past 1980. He did a few t- made for TV shows in the couple years after this, but then after 1980, he kind of fell off the radar. I'm sorry. I'm now imagining Joel like sitting on the toilet with um a mouse and a mirror in front of him, and he he's like, "Why is the internet all about me?" Squeak, 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 squeak. And the mouse is like, put me down. This is my 573rd podcast, Joel and Sean Marshall. <laughs> also show, it's also starring uh, Jane Keene as Miss Taylor, the teacher. Jim Backus, Mr. Howell from uh, Island. Island as the mayor. Oh, lovey. And here, and here once more explains a little bit more of the sadistic nature of this sh- movie. Charles Tyner played Merle. You may know him from Cool Hand Luke, where he played Boss Higgins. Nice. Yeah. Well, we have here. <laughs> exactly. And when I finally realized that, I'm like, this makes a lot of sense if you realize who they got it to be in this. Yeah. Uh, Gary Morgan uh, was Gary Morgan. As Grover? Jeff- yes, as Grover. <laughs> uh, Grover and Willie, the two sons. Uh, Gary does a lot of stunts now. He actually did a lot of stunts in uh, the Back to the Future movies. Um, and Jeff Conway has been all over the place. I think the last thing that he was in that we would know. Babylon 5. Yeah, Babylon 5. I'm looking for the most recent thing. He was something in Dante's Inferno, Abandon All Hope, which is a documentary short, which he narrated like in 2010. Yeah, I'll always know... Uh... Jeff Conaway as uh, security chief uh, Zach Allen, and of course Kaniki from Greece. But he's also one of the very, very few celebrities before he died who I paid for an autograph. Really? Yeah, it wasn't for me. It was for a friend who had a uh, complete set of Babylon Five 
uh, game trading cards, and he'd gotten most of the main cards signed by the actors who played the character, but he was missing that one and couldn't make Gen Con that year. Oh. So I stood in line for him. And I don't believe he gave me money. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he had a complete collection of Grease. Grease game trading cards? Grease trading cards, yeah. I'd like you to Grease decide. lightning. Side my Grease. That's not how this works. I tap one ra- red mana, cast Greased lightning. Nice. Like if you get if you got a Kaniki and a and a Rizzo together, oh forget it. <laughs> um and this, this is my favorite part. The the voice of Elliot the Dragon was voiced by Charlie Callis, who you may know from High Mel Brooks High Anxiety, where he played the guy who thought he was a cocker spaniel. Nice. And History of the World Part One, where he was a soothsayer in the Roman uh part of it. And the last thing he did was something called Horror Ween. Where he played himself, and he other great stuff like 1995's Vampire Vixens from Venus. He was very much a B movie comedian. Oh, he wasn't. He was like a B movie, like just background comedian. He was. He was like the precursor to the the voice guy from uh, Police Academy. Oh yeah, yeah, Michael Michael Winslow. Yeah. Yeah, because that—I mean—he did all that. I mean, Elliot the Dragon. All he—that's all he did. He probably got paid some good bank for this too. All right, so trivia: This is the first Disney film to be recorded in the new Dolby stereo system. So you got all the Charlie Callis you can take in surround <laughs> sound. Uh, animator, director, animation director Don Bluth was told by producers to create 900 feet of animation on a $1.8 million budget. When the producers were impressed by the first few scenes he completed, they up, updated their demand to 1,800 feet, but neither increased the budget nor the production schedule. Bluth delivered the completed animation on time, but then was reprimanded for going $75,000 over budget. Jesus. Christ. And then he went, screw this, I'm out of here. I'm going to go make a movie about a mouse. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the scene where Mickey Rooney and Red Buttons are drunkenly walking around the cave to see Elliot the Dragon had turned into a massive ad lib session with each comedian trying to outdo the other with pratfalls and slapstick. Yeah, that was that was fairly obvious watching the movie. Yeah, it's oh, like yeah. No one told these guys that the age of vaudeville is over. Right. <laughs> Incidentally, this was Don Bluth's last film with Disney. No, that's that's what I said. After this, he was like, screw okay. this, I'm out of here. I'm yeah. taking my $1.8 million and going. Uh, some of the original design concept for Elliot depict him as having six legs and not walking upright. Which would have like been kind of weird. Japanese dragon? Yeah, well, like me in college. They, they, <laughs> <laughs> they, um, they were originally, I mean, it was, it was intentional to model him more after Eastern dragons than Western dragons because Eastern dragons are known more for good luck than Western dragons are. And that is okay. true. So <clears throat> one thing I want to talk about on this is the music. This is a musical. I actually have a Walt Disney picture disc of all the songs of this. Yeah. It's funny. Um, as I told you guys, pre-show, um, oh, shit. this is one of my favorite show, favorite movies as a child. I don't remember much about it. I just remember my mom is always telling me how I used to watch it all the time. Did wait, and, wait, 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 did we skip over Jim Dale? We no, did. We, we did. No, we did. no, we oh. didn't skip over Jim Dale. I think okay. we skipped over Cal Bartlett, but who cares about Cal Bartlett? And Terrence okay. Blanchard. 
As long as we didn't skip over Jim Dale. Okay, cool. No, we didn't. No. Okay. Anyway, I would say this this is one of my favorite movies as a child. Apparently, I used to watch it a lot. And um and my poor mother had to watch this movie several times. Um but uh I didn't realize until I was watching it this week that it was a musical. <laughs> what? Yeah, I had no idea. They, they busted the song the first time. I'm like, okay, that was odd. They go into the second song. I'm like, it's a musical? Did you get your hair cut and have been walking by mirrors? Ah, shut ah. up. No, I'm with Pat on this one. I had not seen this movie in like 30 years. And, you know, sometimes we watch shows or movies that were important to us as children and we find out that they hold up and our memories are all nice and cozy and sometimes, sometimes this happens <laughs> sometimes we watch pete's dragon <laughs> okay so here's the thing about this in this movie this was a movie that we watched so much when i was a kid that while i was sitting there next to my children they started goggling at me because they've i literally with you josh have not seen this in easy two decades and i was singing along I knew I knew all the words of all the songs of this movie. But... I mean, I had to have stopped watching this movie like when I was like seven or eight. I had to have stopped it. Oh yeah, there's no there's no way I wouldn't have remembered it like you if if I had watched it you know further on. Uh, knowing you, Pat, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw it once and remembered it. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: the that first time happen. I saw this was in 1977 at the theater that used to be at um, not the Hip. North Riverside, back in 1977. You saw this at North Riverside? I saw this at North Riverside Theater, but the theater wasn't. This is before the mall was there. Huh. Yeah, so this is a long time ago. The theater has always been standalone from the the Yeah, but this is the the theater was like all the way like by the street, over closer to like Jedi's uh, Diner, Jedi's Restaurant. Um, Here's the thing. I love this movie. I know all the words, all the songs, that sort of thing. But the first time I saw it, apparently... Apparently, the opening song with the Grogans talking about cutting and slicing and killing Pete must have resounded in me somewhere because I flipped my shit in the theater to the point where I had to be physically carried out of the theater and we never we just left. (laughs) That's how that's how this movie just scared the shit out of me. And then there's this big gap and then they got it on VHS and then I was cool with it. But for some reason or another, 1977 in the theater, I'm not sure if it was Pete or, or the, the dragon or if it was, I think it was, had to have been the Grogan's in the very beginning. Cause I don't remember. So, so, what, so what you're saying here is that Matthew is tougher than you because he sat through predator or not predator. Uh, no, he didn't sit through Robocop. He sat while Robocop was going with a bag on his head. <laughs> he had nowhere to go. He was already home. That's what home was him for him. I know you're trying to talk your way out of being terrified by Shelly Winters, but I'm not <laughs> buying it. <laughs> so either way, that's my introduction to this. But I know I knew all the words to this to these songs. I mean, Brazzle Dazzle Day knew all those. The ha- no, the opening Happiest Homes in These Hills, the Shelly Winters one, where they're all singing. Uh, personally, my favorite is anytime Jim Dale is on screen. So every little piece was probably my favorite song from the movie. Uh, yeah, it, it's unfortunate for me because aside from Razzle Dazzle Day, I found most of the songs to be pretty forgettable. And it's like, I know this movie has a dragon, but is that really the only reason I loved it when I was like seven? And I've come to the conclusion that yes, <laughs> that was the only reason. <laughs> Aww. Yes, That's that got to be exactly be the same thing for me. Like, 
<laughs> because the more I was watching it, I was, I was like, there are so many unnecessary little side plots and characters. And well, I just want more dragon. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know what's wrong with me on this one, but I have an un- irrational love of Jim Dale for some reason. He's great. I thought every time he was on he was on screen, it was was hilarious, and he had a lot of like little snip um, comments, and I don't know, I don't even know if they were actually in the script because like when he's talking to Red Buttons, like you, st- I remember you when you were nothing. You're still nothing, but you could go on. And then when they're in the bar, and Red Buttons and Mickey Rooney are drunk. And he's like, "You guys go on. I have. What, I wrote it down. I have. I have an appointment with a lady who wants to pursue a career in nursing. What the hell, Disney? I mean, pair this up with the uh, child slavery song later on in the movie, and you've got child slavery. And uh, you know, I'm not usually one to judge about stuff like this, but there was a lot of booze in this for a kids movie. Was there not? Th- there was an incredible dance number." That was all in a bar with booze going everywhere. Well, I was that whole dance number. I'm like, what? When she started dancing on the first one, I was like, okay, you know, maybe they have a keg set up that's like this, the challenge is like their version of a mechanical bull or whatever. But then when like there's 18 people dancing on rolling kegs, I'm like, okay, this is a dumb bar setup. Well, let's let's talk about though the how incredibly overly overtly sexual that scene was. What the Bukaki scene? <laughs> no, with her dancing and at the end and all the all of them because they keep focusing on her and she's got like the wet blouse on and then they all it, all it, the it, it turned into a wet t-shirt. The corks pop. Huh, yeah, I the missed corks that. Pop at the end. I, I think I was probably focused on how much beer was being wasted. So yeah, I I'm, that. I'm the same way because I didn't notice a wet t-shirt contest. I was just going, Jesus, who owns this? Yeah. They're gonna be they're gonna be pissed. Look at all the beer they're losing. Well, and, and at the end, as she's dancing and kind of shaking her kind of can can kind of thing. All the corks pop on the 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 uh, the kegs and they shoot beer up in the air, just like frothy beer. The semen, yes, yeah, it's very overtly sexual. Yeah. So, and also on, on that note, um, those have got to be the best spoken hillbillies I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yes, the scene with the I've got the deed and oh no, the, no, it wasn't a deed. I have a bill of sale because it cost. I've got a bill of sale right here. It cost me fifty dollars and fifty cents for uh, legal fees, and I did the conversion on that. That's two hundred and three dollars and seventy-seven cents in two thousand and seventeen dollars. Which, in all honesty, but this movie wasn't set in nineteen seventy-seven. It was just filmed in nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah, set, set at the turn of the century. So, I mean, still, that's a pretty good deal for a child slave. But yeah. I'm saying, I mean, did you did you do it for nineteen seventy-seven or did you do it? <laughs> Like well, I did it for 1977 because I assumed that they were going. Oh well, how much? Well, this pay? is probably a lot more expensive. Child slave. I was gonna say I love you guys because I dropped the child slave comment and everyone just goes with it. <laughs> I'm just saying because they probably said how much would how much would you pay for a slave a child slave back when this was movie was around? I don't know about probably about fifty fifty now. Well, let's just toss it in. We have too we have too much of a bukkake uh, uh, barrel rolling scene to do. We don't have this much time. The hell did I just say? I don't know. Blue is going way I'm over budget. Sure. I'm, I'm waiting for the point. <laughs> Those hillbillies in that first scene, uh, Jeff Conaway was actually the first actor I recognized. I was like, holy shit, that guy who looks like a methed out uh, Dennis Leary, or now just Dennis Leary. Uh, is that yeah, Jeff? Is it Jeff redundant? And yeah, Jeff Conaway covered in mud with like less teeth. <laughs> now, I don't remember seeing this as a kid. 
I remember having one of those like read along books that, you know, beep when you got to the next page, but I know I saw it as a kid. It wasn't was a book. You were sitting in the driveway again. <laughs> beep. No, I was gonna say, he didn't really have those books. There was just a man that they paid to stand there and turn the pages for him. Dust clown. <laughs> Somewhere, someone's going to get that because they've seen it. I didn't see this again until I had kids of my own. So it, I've seen it in the time in the past, sometime in the past thirteen years, but I don't know when exactly. And I remembered it just from seeing it then um, when I watched it again day before yesterday. So. I don't have any early memory notions of it, unfortunately. Okay. You do have to say this town loves doing an angry mob. Like, yeah, but they, they, they turn real fast. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Hey, we got an angry mob going. All right, I love angry mobs. And they're all like, run, 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 run. And then suddenly, you know, all you got to do is like sing a song. And they're like, hey, here's all my money. Monorail. They're easily duped. <laughs> they're definitely easily duped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody says, hey, this town only has 50 people. I don't know who that woman is. But he done healed her. Yeah. I hear birds chirping. Give him a dollar. I like Dr. Terminus. I like I like him in Hot Lead and Cold Feet also, where he plays the priest and the uh, bank robber. I can say I've been giving this movie a lot of shit, but the interaction of the cartoons with the people was genuinely impressive for 1977. Yes. yes. It, I do have to say that the effects like with, with uh, Elliot running around or like when he sits in the big pile of nets, when they're doing the, you know, we are the world song or whatever the hell that was. Um, they, they put a lot of effort into There's actually the DVD I, I got from the library has like a whole thing just on them, them doing the effects of that. And I, I want to be able to get a chance to watch that later on because I'm sure there's some really cool stuff. But remember, this is also the same year uh, Star Wars came out. Yep. So, True. The, that means they were doing it with other people because all the other people were working on Star Wars. Right. Right. Yeah, it's totally not fair to compl- uh, compare effects to Star Wars since it was groundbreaking in that specific area. Well, this is groundbreaking in dragon effects. Thank you very much. That's, yeah, no, no argument. <laughs> it was not groundbreaking in songs or Mickey Rooney effects, however. No, Mickey Rooney is not an effect. He was not animated. That's actually a person. <laughs> Go on. No, really. Um, did anybody else think that the school That's the arm... twist at the end. Lampy was a real person the whole time. <laughs> it's Bruce Willis. He's dead. Did anybody else think that Nora and the school marm have got history? Like when they did that whole gotta get gotta get uh Pete into school thing, that there's there's something there's a backstory between those two. They've tangled before. They're they were way too catty at each other to that be the first time. Just tossing yeah, no, it like they, that. They've definitely had they've they've had history, you can you could tell. Yeah. So but it gets dark. And some of this, like when uh, Pete starts talking about, uh, what's the name of that? Gets the, dark, it starts off with an orphan living in the forest. Well, and it, Pete, and Hillbilly is trying to murder him. Yeah. It's, 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 it's basically like, deliverance until we get the cartoon <laughs> dragon. <laughs> I mean, if Elliot did not exist, this would be deliverance. This, this is squeal like a dragon, boy. <laughs> 
Do you know how many times I got the sideways look from my kids when we were watching this? Because I'm like, yeah, hey, I used to watch this movie all the time when I was a kid. I love this movie. And, you know, Sophie's like, what the hell, Dad? <laughs> Everybody in this movie is drunk. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they did a shitty job whitewashing the, lamp, the lighthouse, too. Right? That was an awful paint job. And they just stopped. They gave up so quickly. I know. It's like they just did either side of the door, sang a song, and then skipped off down to the beach. Thank you very much. That song was terrible, by the way. Most of the songs were terrible. That's the one song that stood out, though. Is no, 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 no. Yeah, that song was pretty bad. Yeah. Oh, wait. Now, here's the thing. If you're trapped on a desert island, you can only have one song. These are your two choices. You either get Helen Reddy singing Candle on the Water, or you get the uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh! Mama, the one where she's singing about, she's singing about, Mama singing about Charlie. Which you one? Know what? I, I fast forward past the one in Willy Wonka so many times, I can't even remember what it sounds like. Now, what does that tell you? Right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. God, I'm, I guess I had to go with Candle on the Water. I guess we're going Candle on the Water, it sounds like. <laughs> I choose death. <laughs> like a candle on the water. If those are your two choices, how long does it take before you kill yourself? <laughs> but no. Um, so. <laughs> we have finally found Joel's best impression. <laughs> you do the best Elliot I've ever heard. <laughs> I just met Charlie Callis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and of course, when the dragon runs through the wall, it leaves a dragon-shaped hole. Yeah, exactly, perfectly dragon-shaped twice. Mm-hmm. And this movie hates fences. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Fences and wet cement. <laughs> yeah. And what irrational hatred? And, oh. I can just imagine being on the set. They're like, they're like, okay, we're gonna destroy the fence today and fuck with all the cement. And then as soon as they're done with the scene, they're like, okay, reset. <laughs> doing it again. Do this, do this again tomorrow. Man, the fence guys hated that movie. <laughs> oh, and speaking of dark, what about when Paul comes back and he's like, the ship went down. I was the only survivor. <laughs> that, that whole Paul fucking... She's <laughs> still Paul because that's how amnesia works. <laughs> and suddenly my, my, my bed just turned over and I hit my head and oh, everything's cool now. Let's not fly home. Let's get on another fucking it boat was, with one guy. It was a miracle. No, it was Elliot. We're going to traverse the Atlantic in a tiny frigate with one other dude. Looking for a lighthouse. My, my captain and his, his fucking bag full of fish sticks. I don't get it. Fish sticks. The He's bar the owner, fisherman. I think the bar owner really didn't care about his uh, place of business. Because not only is he cool with all of his beer being sp- uh, spilled, but he's cool with having a dragon be murdered by a giant crossbow in the middle of his establishment. <laughs> no, right. it was it wasn't in, that was at the uh, boathouse. It wasn't. Oh, that wasn't in the bar. It yeah, was not the bar. No, it was not no. the bar. He didn't mind running around kicking glasses of beer out of her his patrons' hands. <laughs> and it was a uh, harpoon that you had to light on. Had a wick. Yeah, yeah. what was that? Why did it have a wick? <laughs> I don't, for, for dramatic effect. Because how the hell are you going to shoot Dr. Terminus through the roof? I mean, seriously. <laughs> Boy, they're, all, they're all sitting around the table. And then Dr. Terminus flies through the roof. Why would he fly through the roof? Because he's tied to the harpoon. Elliot was a sadistic bastard. And he perfectly like, sticks, sticks the landing right into a pole. Yeah, the only lamppost in, in town, and it hits it. 
And what's his face? His, his accomplice just teleported right to where he was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this movie did grow on me a little bit, like towards the midpoint, uh, moving towards the end. I warmed to it a little bit. The fact that I was drinking and watching it at one and a half speed may have had something to do with that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I I was sad to watch this movie as an adult because I I remember that I loved this movie as a child. I don't remember much about it, but I remember loving it. Well, and and Elliot, movie, I, I I owe my mother a, a severe apology for making her watch this movie several times. Elliot is still charming. I'll give that to it. That part, but the rest of it, it's just a case of this movie has not aged particularly well. Well, it's got that, that classic 70s pacing. There were several times, because once I, once I realized that this was not going to be a fond memory kind of thing for me, I was, I was like, well, I can't just watch this only. So I started fucking with my Xbox, and I kept the movie going. And a couple of times, I had to look, you know, Stop the, the the game I was playing because I'm like I'm like did the did something happen? Did you because I mean it would just be like ten seconds of silence and I look over like oh no they're just walking down the beach still. <laughs> They'll be singing in a moment. It's okay. <laughs> okay. But I mean like why? Do, I was like who edited this shit? This movie could have been like half an hour shorter if they just cut away the long shots of of walking everywhere. Mm-hmm. Or the or the dance scene with all rubbing their ass on the lighthouse at the top there. That was kind of. Upsetting. Yeah, that whole yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I'm not saying I'm an expert in the dentistry arts, but I'm not entirely sure what sort of thing that the dentist would put in your mouth and then tell you don't release, keep tense, otherwise this thing is going to rip off your jaw and punch through your cheeks. Yeah, I didn't know what that was about at all. I'm, I was trying. I mean, I paused it. I'm looking at the thing. And I'm trying to figure out what the hell. I mean, what's wrong with this man that this is the cure? Oh, and by the way, twelve hundred sixty dollars and five cents. Because I, I looked it up, and that, this took this took it, place in early uh, 1900s, according to IMDb or according to uh, Wikipedia, and the calculator that I looked up only goes back as far as 1913. So fifty dollars and fifty cents was equal to twelve hundred dollars. Uh, in well, I would be upset if somebody stole my twelve hundred dollar child slave right now. So yeah, I was going <laughs> to say that's about the going rate for a child slave if you're not talking first world. Yeah, your, sta- your standard blonde white child slave. Yeah, it's about twelve hundred. No, I was gonna say that. No, that's gonna be about three thousand dollars. Well, it depends and on what age. Depends how on what... am I? How am I gonna post this show now? We're gonna be on a list. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. They're gonna be. We're gonna be on. <laughs> they're going to. They're gonna be on uh, Podchaser, and they're gonna be like, "Hey, you want to looking for a podcast about child slavery?" 40 going on 14. Right? That's right <laughs> I, yeah, I don't want to be uh, associated with the shows that share that tag. <laughs> John Walsh is creating a new show just for us. And then it's all going to get cleared up when they find out we were watching Peach Dragon. They're all going to be like, oh, oh, yeah. That's yeah, no, you should have said that to start out with, man. It was oh, out. yeah, children's movies and child slavery. That's not creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the yeah, starts going. Joel, can you save him from that one? <laughs> yeah, apparently I cannot do an Elliot impression. All right. So are we ready to go to the break and then uh, talk about the uh, remake? Yeah, I am.
Mm-hmm. All right. So when we come back, we are going to talk about Pete's Dragon uh, from what was it? 2016. 2016. Yeah. Just last year with an unusually good cast. So, yeah. Stick around. All right, we are back, and we're talking about Pete's Dragon 2016. The adventures of an orphan boy named Pete and his best friend Elliot, who just so happens to be a dragon. Who might actually be a dog. That's true. Might just be a big <laughs> green dog. Might just be a dragon. You never know. Might <clears throat> be the acid. You never know. So this was came out in 2016, like I said, directed by David Lowry, which... Uh, did such movies as A Ghost Story or Ain't Them Body Saints. What the hell is that about? And something called The Pioneer. It, he doesn't He doesn't seem like uh, to have... Ghost he's Story got, isn't out yet. <clears throat> that he's one's not like, out yet, but it's getting a lot of big buzz. And he he's will got, not be typecast. No, he's got like five things on his list that are just boy crazy at the drugstore. Boy crazy, bikini mishap. Okay, maybe I want to see that one, but... Um, <laughs> Written by David Lowry and Tony Halbrooks, who is known for uh, Ain't Them Body Saints, something called Listen Up, Philip, and Upstream Color. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to you, Joel. Have you heard of any of those? Yeah, Upstream Color got a lot of lot of really good press when it came out. It's on uh, Netflix now, streaming. Okay, is a Ghost Story a remake of Ghost Story, the movie from with uh, the dancing Red guy? Yeah. No, this is the movie where stars Casey Affleck. Oh, okay. okay. And he plays eyes, but he comes back as a ghost, a sheet ghost, like you know the the, the eyes cut out. And yeah, like a clansman. Sheet. And we're here. <laughs> we're gonna anyway. We're, it, we're gonna have some real, real good, interesting uh, suggestions thing. once Podverse go. <laughs> yeah, you, you can put put a lot of really interesting tags on this show. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't put that one on the show. Yeah, no. Uh, so this starred Bryce Dallas Howard. Hmm? Who is the top of my celebrity hall pass list. <laughs> really? Oh, Robert yeah. Redford is on mine. <laughs> Robert Redford now or Rob? You know what? I don't want to know. Yes. Dude, have you seen Robert Redford at, at 80 now? He still looks good. He's, He's like he... the male Peggy Lipton. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? He's if you know who she is, it's funny. All right, as he well, he looks that up. Um, known as from us, most most recently Jurassic World, but it's also been in Black Mirror, and uh, it was in The Help. And, oh, I would say that if you are a fan of M Night Shyamalan, Ding Dong, she's uh, uh, the Forest was her big breakout. Oh, I've never seen The Forest. The Village. The village. Oh, the village. The village. Oh, That's I've, right. seen, I've seen that. Yeah. Okay. The village was was where I learned first learned about her. Girl oh. in the water, Mandalay. And I, I find it very difficult to believe that that she and and Clint Howard share the same gene pool, or that Ron Howard even. Right. Mm-hmm. But Clint Howard doesn't look like he's in the same species. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Poor Clint Howard. Clint <laughs> Howard is second on my uh, list, right after Robert Redford. <laughs> but just just his forehead. She's in my top twenty. That's for sure. Yeah, Joel's trying to tell us something. Is Timmy okay. trapped in the well, Joel? 
Is Joel trapped in the Babadook? Who did it still? So, somebody broke into British TV. Robert Redford as Meacham, or Dad, as Grace knows him. Uh, Oaks Fegley as Pete. Una Lawrence. Una as Natalie. Wes Bentley as Jack. Carl Urban, out of left field, as Gavin. And I was just like, Wes Bentley, Carl Urban, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Robert Redford? What movie do they think they're remaking? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, they probably looked at everybody who had something to do with that. And like, hey, the guy from Cool Hand Luke's in this. We should get Carl Urban. <laughs> yeah. Once you sign Robert Redford, you got to up the game on everything. <laughs> well, that's the thing. This has got a really good cast. You yeah. can't surround Robert Redford with, like, Dax Shepard. Well, and they renamed his character from Meacham. He originally was called Lampy. Yeah, that was kind of weird because in the original, um, Nora only refers to him as dad once in the very beginning and then calls him Lampy for the rest of the movie. Because <laughs> it's more fun to say. Lampy. Yeah. You know how long it took me to realize that's because he lives in a in a lighthouse and it's not because he just likes to suck on sharks? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, an so, odd conclusion to jump to, but I'm going with it. So, Carl Urban is Gavin. Isaiah Whitlock Jr. is Sheriff Gene Dentler. Uh, so, Carl Urban. What, what, Joel? No? We lost Joel. Joel? He giggled and then he disappeared. The Baba Duke oh, got oh, him. What? <laughs> I'm Carl, not muted. What? Oh, now you're going in and out. All right. So, anyway, Carl <laughs> Urban. Yeah. Replace Michael C. Hall as Gavin, while Wes Bentley replaced Casey Affleck as Jack. That's a Still interesting good movie. Poll. for the movie. What did Joel turn into a transformer? There <laughs> he did. Unfortunately, Joel. When he transformed, he's a hand blender, so he's not really useful. <laughs> he's not an electric one. He's one. He's one of those you have to crank. What were you saying, Joel? <laughs> oh, chap. <laughs> He's still responding to stuff from like four minutes ago. Which is a documentary short, which he narrated like in 2010. Yeah, I'll always <clears> know. As to be yeah. more of a reinvention rather than a straight up remake. His ambition for the film was to distinguish itself from the 1977 film as much as possible. So losing the uh, hillbilly murder and the child slavery. And, and replacing that- it by remaking Tarzan and Fern Gully. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Pretty much. In the Jungle Book. He wanted to reinvent the core story of the venerable Disney family film, which obviously a Disney family film must exist with the family being killed within the first 10 minutes. Yeah, no you shit. Parents. You cannot have parents if you're in a Disney movie. As soon as I saw how loving those parents were, I was like, holy shit, they're not making it out of this scene. No, they were absorbed. (laughs) Though I have to, uh, you know, one of the things I really thought was cool was the crash scene. Yeah. They showed it all, looking at the kid in the back seat and everything flipping around around him. That was pretty intense. Yeah, it really was. I know he was five, but he seemed extremely unconcerned about the fact that his parents just died in a fiery wreck. Well, wouldn't you be unconcerned if you just met a dragon? Like, fuck that. Like, oh. That's fair. But, you know, I, get, I get to upgrade? <laughs> trade my parents in for a dragon? Done. Parents? Dragon. Parents? Oh, myself. Dragon. At also, five years old, that's an easy decision. <laughs> uh, director David Lowry also explained why Elliot is a furry dragon. 
uh, saying that he'd rather have the kind of dragon that you really want to give a hug to than a Game of Thrones type dragon, which he described as cool but scaly and cold. I, so I wa- agree with that. He just wanted a big green dog. It's, it's yeah. easier to hug Mike Sullivan than it is Batman. I'd hug Batman. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> this one. I lost my parents to too. Hey, I want to hear Elliot doing his version of Batman. <laughs> He's not very good at impressions. So, <laughs> this is where we break paths. <laughs> also, Robert Redford rescued a horse on his second day of shooting. Because, of course, he did. I put that in there. Exactly, I put that in there because Robert Redford, man, come on, that's cool. I was gonna say that—that's just a normal Tuesday for Robert Redford, <laughs> Mr. Redford. We're exactly. ready to shoot this. We're ready to shoot the, the scene. I'm sorry, I was out there rescuing a horse. <laughs> of course you were. Paul Newman's off making spaghetti sauce. <laughs> You're off rescuing animals. I've got to rescue this horse. The next day, like Robert Redford, please report to set. He's like, I'm. I found a skeleton of a bear. I'm known for Pete's Dragon and On Such a Night. That's pretty much. He has three on things to it. Night. Shooting. That's why you didn't see him for the entire middle of the movie. <laughs> I just showed rescued up the, 30 kids from a burning house. He showed up the very beginning, told about the dragon, rescued kids from a burning house, made bear knives, rescued a horse, and then got back to do the end. I mean, and who's going to say no? He's Robert Redford. And they're like, I didn't realize there were so many horses in peril around here. <laughs> 36 total were saved during the course of the film. We it's, have no- like, it's, it's like, uh, <laughs> oh, damn it, I lost her name. Angela Lansbury in Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> everywhere she goes, someone dies. Where Everywhere Robert Redford goes, just random horses just show up. <laughs> I need rescuing. Where's Robert Redford? <laughs> Meanwhile, Paul Newman is snickering in the corner. Gotten most of the main cards signed by the actors who played the character, but he was missing that one and couldn't. Carl Urban's <laughs> character was originally written as a good guy, but he's like, I can't compete with Robert Redford. <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going <laughs> to shoot a dragon. <laughs> I didn't every, like his every character. Every horse yeah. Robert Redford saved, he would go and shoot one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just saved another horse. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> God damn it, Carl. Now I gotta make more bone knives. <laughs> Carl, that kills people. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> We've gone so off track. We were yeah. talking about the actual movie. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so intense parents dying at the very beginning. Wait, what movie? Yes. And it's then, horse. <laughs> Pete's horse dragon. Uh, so he he gets picked up by the dragon, saved by saved from the wolves, wanders off into the forest. <laughs> Don't ever do that to us again. I feel abused. Just like, just like Pete. Just and Pete. somehow either either he or the dragon have learned how to make clothes and talk. Yeah, I did think about that at one point when he first started talking to people. Like, how did he learn to talk? Where did he get all these words from? He was young. He wasn't. He wasn't fourteen by the time this happened. He was. He was probably like what, like three or four at the time. He was five 
and then he was 10 later. It was, I think, five years. Because he thought, still thought he... Kaplan has always been like a Hollywood uh, behind-the-scenes insider guy. Like he- her name uh, established she was about 10 years old. Okay. So they're saying right now, I'm looking up developmental uh, steps in children. The average six, five- to six-year-old child has a 2,600-word expressive vocabulary and a receptive vocabulary of twenty to 24,000 words were words that they understand and only 2,600 words that they can actually speak and know what they're talking about. I did after they canceled it. You know, we have four, four episodes, and let's just not show them anymore. Even in the hills, but he's got this amazing ability to speak. He's Josh Rogan. He's yeah. <laughs> he should have been all tay in the win. Man, and just like that, Pat is broken. <laughs> I love a good no reference. Yeah, I had some deep cuts tonight. <laughs> I'll be right back. I got to save a horse. So they find him. She she loses her pocket. Was it a pocket watch or was it her compass? Compass. Compass. compass, compass yeah. She loses her compass all the way at the very edge where they're logging because Carl Urban apparently is an asshole. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> like, what's my motivation, Carl? You're an asshole. I'm good. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, and she, you know, actually one of the best. What's your motivation? Fuck these trees. <laughs> So they disappear. Just you know, they see the loggers going around, and then I forgot how did he get to town. They Who? found him, uh, Elliot. No, Pete. Uh, uh, Una for- noticed him in a tree. Yes, that's right. And then she chases after him. They play. Fall, they play. They fall out of a tree together. That's she not a euphemism. <clears throat> and they take him home. And he begins to. You know, then their first thing is let's get the DCS uh, DCFS involved because that always makes things better. But then, um, you know what I'm, I am kind of glad for is that they did not do the whole evil uh, DCFS guy. That's what I was expecting when I heard them say that. I was expecting like the guy to come in and then you know put him in the car and drive him away, and they had to go rescue him or something like that. No, yeah. I mean it is a little weird that he still gets to end up with them at the end of the movie because when you miss that meeting, they don't exactly look favorably on that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Disney movie, I'll give it a pass. Town of about like, one hundred and fifty. At least you don't live with a drunken guy who hangs out in a saloon full of kegs. Yeah, it had a hundred percent less child slavery and alcohol, but a hundred percent more Bryce Dallas Howard, and I will take that trade. <laughs> You know what this movie needed was a snake oil salesman. Excuse me. Yeah, they really couldn't update it with a lighthouse, which is completely controlled by computers and like a traveling medicine show. Which doesn't (laughs) happen anymore. (laughs) They had David Blaine. (laughs) (laughs) He comes into town, he's doing magic. (laughs) The the, the villain is a close-up street magic artist. Right. All the trees left town as soon as that street magician showed up. <laughs> hey, this prince from Nigeria wants to give me a million dollars, and he also wants my dragon. <laughs> oh, shit. A horse got loose. <laughs> Redford's gone again. 
telling you. Shoot around him. That that's exactly why because that, um, I think that's it. It's every Fresh, time. Fresh Redford from another scene. There was a horse breakout last night. Carl Urban wanted more scenes, so every time he wanted more scene, he let another horse loose, and then <laughs> Redford put in front of to go rescue it, and he can chew up the scenery with that. So anyway, though I, as much as I love Carl Urban, I, act, I okay, I love Carl Urban. I actually thought he played an asshole pretty good in this movie. He he was a big jerk in this one, and but I but I still loved him in it. And I believe the relationship between him and his brother. You've got his brother who's the goody goody, and he's kind of a dick in response. And at the end, he's just like, "My brother's in trouble. Uh, regardless of how I've behaved up to this point, I gotta save him." I bought it. So Carl Urban, great yes. again. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, his brother's such a goody goody because he's married to the park ranger who just happens to be Bryce Dallas Howard. So he's not going to do anything to try and mess that up. No shit. So, <clears throat> okay, on with it more. As much as we love Bryce Dallas Howard, Grace mm-hmm. as a character, I think was probably. Even even with Meacham only being in the in the scenes maybe three times, I think she was probably the most cardboard out of all of them. Or I may have said something wrong. <laughs> I, I don't disagree, but I want to. Although if I was going to go for most cardboard, uh, the sheriff basically channeling Ernie Hudson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Pat. Get it out. No, no, he's right. There's- that's basically like Ernie Hudson. Yeah, but no, I mean she. I mean she. She was the the. She was the plot device. Yeah, she was playing generic maternal character, which mm-hmm. is. I mean, she's obviously the analog to Nora. That's what the role called for. Okay. Hmm. And I was actually my other word was like, "Don't get too close to this kid." Or when at the very end when they were driving away together, I was ready for that car to just like explode. <laughs> it starts all over again for mm-hmm. Pete's Dragon Two, Dragoner. What, what <laughs> the, the Dragonish? Uh, what do you think the about the, at the very end where there's like a whole clan of dragons, a whole family of dragons? I didn't care for that. No, I'm wondering how that exists without anybody knowing. Well, it's not that no one knew. They sort of uh, foreshadowed that with the song. That is one of the first things you hear. Oh, where yeah, they go dragon, north with the dragon. This is not going to be something that is only known in folk songs. Oh, if they can turn invisible at will, I'm willing to give them the, that one. But, I mean, imagine how much damage they would do to the ecosystem, how much food they would need on a daily basis. You couldn't... <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is where it all goes south. I was the first one. <laughs> Redford's rescuing all the horses. He doesn't want them to get eaten. <laughs> That's Redford's actually senile. Do you see that dragon? We gotta rescue the horses. <laughs> We're filming a movie here, sir. Get the horses! See, that's one of the things I, I actually appreciated more about the original is the fact that Elliot went from one child to another, and that was his lot in life was to help kids in need of help. And here, he went off to live with a bunch of dragons in the mountains. Okay. It's funny that the Elliot in this one, Sarah started out watching this with me and joking, that's not a dragon, that's a puppy. Mm-hmm. And I found it more and more difficult to argue with her joke. No, it, he, he totally was. It was a yeah. big dragon puppy. Yeah, he, he was definitely patterned after a dog, which I think is explicit when you look at the children's book. 
Right. Well, and then there's that scene in the cave when they wake up in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely yeah. acting like a big dog. And his hand is between uh, the pillows. As uh, Nenem Lost calls him, he said he was a cringer with wings from mm-hmm. He-Man. Oh, shit. He is, isn't he? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I didn't get... Uh, who else wrote this? S.S. Field is another one of the writers, and he's... Yes, music. The number one song in the land is You Light Up My Life by Debbie Boone. I mean, something about it just kind of hit me in the wrong way. And I think the ending is what really just kind of blew that wide open for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. It was rehashed bits of other Disney movies. And near the end, it sort of turned into Free Willy. (laughs) Free Willy! Um. There's a joke in there about Bryce Dallas Howard and Free Willy, but I'm not going there. Pat? That's funny. Yeah, it actually holds up. It's but, dated, but it's funny. I love that show. That's better than the original. Um, solved a lot of the problems that the original had. Got rid of a lot of the... Bang- from the Honeymooners. That guy. Bang. Yeah, there's... On its own. And I'm with Joel. I did not like the ending. You know, suddenly there, you know, there's a family of dragons, and you know he's just gonna go hang out with all these other dragons. It was a nicer sentiment in the first movie, where you know, it, Pete or the dragon is just a way to help kids who are in trouble, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean that 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 kind of ties together the whole alcoholism and the abuse and all of that stuff. It gives kids who are watching it kind of this this maybe it's a false hope, but a hope that you know there's somebody out there that's gonna be looking out for them. It had a kind of a positive message with that. This was just the big puppy goes to live with the rest of the puppies. Yeah, this is like, as, as Josh said, you know, it's more of a free willy vibe. Yeah. Right. And they tried to address that a little bit where the little girl is talking to Pete and she's talking about how a an imaginary friend helps you get through things in your life. So they kind of addressed it, but I don't think they committed to it. Right. right. Either make him completely imaginary and the whole thing was just a ruse of some sort and everybody had some sort of mass hallucination or I don't know. It just Well, no no no. I think I think you have you're going down a good path on this one because remember they when they interviewed uh David Lowry, he said he wanted the core story of a venerable Disney family film. I think he was plucking so many tropes from other Disney films is that he, by the end of it you were just like, "Okay, I'm not sure where we're going with this." And to be fair, there's a little of that in the original, too, where you've got a little bit of bed knobs and broomsticks, a little bit of Mary Poppins, a little bit. And they just jammed. Then after 1980, he kind of fell off the radar. I'm sorry. I'm now imagining Joel, like, sitting on the Poppins song, Forced Labor for the Children. Now it's a good one. <laughs> wow. It goes down easier with a spoonful of sugar. <laughs> a spoonful of sugar helps the children make tennis shoes or whatever. How does it go? Just like I'm that. Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but no, I, I agree with you, Joe. I think the ending on the original one was corny but good. But I, you know, oh, he goes to live with all his dragon friends at the end. Even I mean, even more of a cop out than I fell out of bed and my amnesia went away. <laughs> right. I mean, he was happy and he lived a good life, and he could still visit with Elliot, but. I think the kind of bittersweet ending where Elliot went on to have his own life with his own family and got a chance to start over and get rid of his past was kind of a better ending. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, yeah, I think the family, the, the, I don't want to say the exchange of family, but the new family. Mikey Rooney, do you want? We want all the Mickey Rooney. <laughs> Bring your extra teeth. You're going to be chewing a lot of daughter, even though the stepdaughter, whatever, but they're all, they're a family versus, hey, you're going to live in a lighthouse with me and my creepy dad. <laughs> and Paul, the amnesiac <laughs> sailor. Yeah, Paul, the amnesiac sailor, my alcoholic father, and me. <laughs> Won't that be fun? The oversexed waitress. And we can sing songs and wash 10% of the windows. and <laughs> Half-ass the lighthouse whitewash. whitewash. You, you're not done. You only did, like, just to the right and the left of the front door. What the and hell? It, and it looks like epoxy. It doesn't even look like paint. <laughs> Shut up and wash the windows with your butt. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that did happen. Yes, that is a thing. All right. <clears throat> and here's your bottle of wine to go to sleep with. Boom, boom, boom. Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was a full set trombone or not. Now, the, what do you think about the bridge scene? Where where Elliot sets fire to the bridge and almost kills uh, Bryce Dallas Howard? Well, everybody knows that fire doesn't melt steel. <laughs> it wasn't jet fuel, Pat. <laughs> Pat's blaming Elliot for 9-11. Oh, shit. <laughs> what happened? What just <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's sometimes so we go off the rails and make the show worse. I think it's making it better. <laughs> oh man. So okay, so if I get this straight, Elliot caused nine eleven. Oh, Jesus there, <laughs> we're we're definitely gonna be on a list somewhere. <laughs> All right, have we have we milked this dragon enough? God, I hope so. All right. right, thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, let's let's go through that for both movies. All right, I will. I will unfortunately give a thumbs down to the first movie. I wish I had. I wish I hadn't watched it and it just left it in a fond memory. But uh, oh. I'm undecided on the second one. Um, I, I would overall, I would go with a with a thumbs up. I think the cast saved it more than anything. If it had been a bunch of nobodies, I think it would definitely be a thumbs down. I'm pretty much where Pat is, where uh, thumbs down, even though the movie started to redeem itself for the original uh, mid middle to the ending, it didn't quite get to the spot where I could give it a thumbs up. And yeah, it kind of ruined my nostalgic, like rose colored glasses. Uh, and it's an unenthusiastic thumbs up for the uh, remake. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to stick by the first one because of the overall message and the ending. I'm going to give it a thumbs up still because I never had it as a kid. So I didn't have the rose colored glasses to begin with that I remembered. So I enjoy it for what it is. The new one, I'm, I'm going to go with the unenthusiastic <laughs> thumbs up because it was well done. Oh, yeah. Well, this is groundbreaking in dragon effects. Thank you very much. That's, yeah, no, no argument is <laughs> lacking. I mean, let's face it: we could have Carl Urban, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Robert Redford sitting around talking about rescuing horses for two hours, and we'd probably <laughs> give it a thumbs up. Yes, yeah. I'm good with that. Mike, what about you? The first one, for as corny and ridiculous and as alcoholic and child slave trade it was, I still loved it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I knew every song. I liked, you know, I was waiting for specific parts. 
Um, I give it a thumbs up on the first one. The second one, if you if you changed up the ending somehow, I'm. But I mean, yeah, I, w- I would like them to change up the ending and give us a, to the point where I had to be physically carried out of the theater, and we never we just left. <laughs> uh, I mean, sorry, Pete joins her family, and Elliot goes off to live in the forest. Fine, that's awesome. But the group, you know, they're all living as one, their own happy family up, up North was a little too corny for me, but I'm still going to give it like, like Josh said, a hesitant thumbs up on that one. So that's four enthusiastic, uh, unenthusiastic thumbs up for the remake, but the rare 50, 50 split on the original. Yeah. Usually we're all in agreement or there's only one dissenter. Yeah. Kind of interesting there. All right, so now what about next week? Uh, well, next week, I believe we are talking about desserts, or at least the three of you are. I might be mumbling about desserts as <laughs> immediately before the show, I'm getting three teeth pulled. So that could be fun. It might That's be. And be I'm fun. Josh. And. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might be talking like the dragon, Elliot, the entire time next week. That's fantastic. I really hope this happens. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. <clears throat> yeah, we're looking we're looking at desserts. We are talking about it it's another one of our food shows. We're really enjoying those sort of things. And it's giving us a reason to go out there and eat dessert. So uh yeah. if you have a favorite dessert. Yeah, you can give us a call. Uh or if you want to talk to us about how we're wrong about Pete's Dragon or we ruined your childhood. You can always give us that call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And again, you can find us at our home at the web at 40go14.com. And do not forget, uh, if you head over uh, to scrolling, scrolling, Podchaser, beta access, rate and review the shows, go there, rate us, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like, discover new podcasts, and 40go14, spell it out with all letters, and you get beta access to the Podchaser website. Do it now. Do it. Gotta go to the basement and stomp some rats.